the Bible Study Podcast, episode 616. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Ezra with chapter 6. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with chapter 6. You may remember that in chapter 5, the local governor, the governor of the Trans-Euphrates area, sent a letter to the new emperor of Persia, this is Darius II, and said, we have these people who are rebuilding this temple here in Jerusalem. What should we do about them? They say that this was granted them permission by King Cyrus. And so they send this letter, and chapter 6 is the reply. King Darius then issued an order, and they searched in the archives stored in the treasury of Babylon. A scroll was found in the citadel of Ikbatana in the province of Medea, and this was written on it. Memorandum. In the year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present sacrifices and let its foundations be laid. It is to be 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide, with three courses of large stones and one of timbers. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. Also the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, are to be returned to their places in the temple in Jerusalem. They are to be deposited in the house of God. Now then, Tatanai, the governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shethbozani, and you other officials of that province, stay away from there. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site. Moreover, I hereby decree what you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God. Their expenses are to be paid fully out of the royal treasury from the revenues of trans-Euphrates, so that the work will not stop. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil, as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given them daily without fail, so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. Furthermore, I decree that if anyone defies this act, a beam is to be pulled from their houses and they are to be impaled on it. And for this crime, their house is to be made a pile of rubble. May God, who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this decree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. So they receive back at least the letter they were hoping for, and maybe even more so, because it starts with the work that is going on is supposed to go on. And so let it continue. Don't get in the way. But it is even better than that because it says, by the way, pay the expenses of the people who are working on the walls from the royal treasury. So it supports them in a way that is desirable, in a way that they were possibly not even hoping for. And then it goes on to say that 
it is very important that this finishes, or at least that's the implication here, it is to be a crime that if you get in the way of this, if anyone defies this, we're going to pull a beam out of their house and impale them on it. I mean, this is a rather serious thing. So the emperor here is saying it is very important, don't get in the way of this, you or anyone else, and if they do, you'll die. That is probably a better response than the Jewish elders even expected. Now, why would Darius do this? Now, it might be that he just was embarrassed because he looked at these orders that happened about 100 years ago and said, they haven't finished this yet. What, are you kidding? How did people get in the way of this? Because it was supposed to happen. That is certainly one possible explanation, that it's just the... Emperor of Persia said that it should happen. It should have happened by now, and so let's get this done. But the other thing I have to wonder is remember that in this time period, there has been a lot of problems in that hundred years for the people of Persia. They've gone to war twice with this little neighbor of theirs, these Greek city-states, and lost twice. And no one would have expected that. And they're about to be, within the next generation, invaded and conquered by those little Greek city-states who get their act together under a guy named Alexander the Great. So I don't know if what's going on in Persia in history makes a difference to why this reaction, but I have to wonder if... Darius, when he reads this, thinks, well, this is one more reason why things may be going badly for us, is we've screwed this up. Maybe we need to appease this God of Israel, or at least we'll get the people of Judah, the people of Israel, to pray for us. It couldn't hurt, because we could use some help right now. Again, I'm speculating at that point, but it is interesting that what has happened here has happened in this time period where Persia is being set up to fall. It continues, completion and dedication of the temple. Then because of the decree King Darius had sent, Tatanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shathar, Bozanai, and their associates carried it out with diligence. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, a descendant of Edo. They finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the third day of the month Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. For the dedication of the house of God, they offered a hundred bulls, two hundred rams, four hundred male lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, twelve male goats, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And they installed the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their groups for the service of God at Jerusalem, according to what is written in the book of Moses. Uh, Two, a couple interesting things that strike me here. One is that they people who are the governor of Trans-Euphrates and their associates carry this out with diligence, you think? <laughs> Given that 
letter that they got from the emperor, I would be surprised if they had not. And so they finished this rather quickly. They've been working on it for a long time now. The other thing to notice is when they dedicated this temple originally, when they built the foundation, again, just about two generations ago, four or five emperors ago, under Cyrus, it said that there was joy and there was and there were tears, and you couldn't tell the difference, in part because there were people still alive who remembered the old temple. Those people are long gone by this point. And so when they rebuild this temple now, which is smaller than it was before, it's smaller than the Temple of Solomon, when they rebuild it, they dedicate it with joy because they finally finished this great work. And they have all of these sacrifices for the dedication of the temple and then also the sacrifices that will be normally offered at the temple. This will be a place of sacrifice and especially a place of sacrifice for sin so that Israel can come back to God when it strays. The Passover. On the 14th day of the first month, the the exiles celebrated the Passover. The priests and Levites had purified themselves and were all ceremonially clean. The Levites slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the exiles, for their relatives, the priests, and for themselves. So the Israelites who had returned from exile ate it together with all who had separated themselves from the unclean practices of their Gentile neighbors in order to seek the Lord, the God of Israel. For seven days they celebrated with joy the festival of unleavened bread because the Lord had filled them with joy by changing the attitude of the king of Assyria so that he assisted them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. And so they celebrate the Passover, and the implication here, I think, is that they have not been celebrating this normally or that this is a bigger celebration. I don't know for sure whether they have celebrated it faithfully when they returned. They certainly hadn't been doing so before they left. That was part of the reason why they were in exile, as they had been forgetting things about their relationship with God. They still had priests, they still had the temple, they still were going through the motions, and yet, remember, they lost the whole book of the law at one point and forgot about it. So they hadn't been celebrating the Passover faithfully. Really, from this point on, if not from a few years before this, it will be faithfully celebrated by the people of Israel or by the Jewish people until this day. But that is different from what was happening before. And remember, they had been told to celebrate it regularly. And so it is, I think, a warning for us that it is easy for us to even be going through the motions of our faith and forget some of the core things about it, forget why we're doing it, forget who we are celebrating, and forget whose we are. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. We continue on with chapter 6. You may remember that in chapter 5, the local governor, the governor of the Trans-Euphrates area, sent a email, sent an email, sent a letter. 
What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.